0: This is Andrew Ferris. Hi this is Kirk. Hey guys, this is John Ferris. Hey this is Gary Gary Beers. Hey this is Tim Ferris. This is Michael Lishans from Linux. Why don't you come upstairs to first class and get pissed with me?
1: access all areas my name is b and i will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my in excess nerd hayden murdoch we will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in excess sharing music tours videos albums and oh so much
2: more well, I want to welcome Inexcess Access All Areas, episode 143, the podcast that dives deep like no other podcast on Inexcess. all things regarding the band, getting them into the Hall of Fame, doing it with my sidekick B and a bunch of very, very valuable patrons and regular listeners. Sidekick. <laughs> yeah, you're my sidekick today, not my compadre. Okay. And with our famous listeners and patrons, hello everybody. B likes to chip in and put me off. Hello, how are you, B?
1: Hello, Sidekick too. <laughs> hello. I'm fine, thank you. We
2: are NXS Access, Solaris B, and we're on a bit of a mission. Uh, how are you, B? What's been happening for you in your NXS week?
1: Oh well, nothing. Something happened in my week, but I've had a few detectives out, so I can tell you that Timmy has been spotted in um, the Gold Coast with his extended family sunning himself. So good on him! And also, Kirk I thought you were about to
2: say with his. I thought you were about to say with his ex girlfriend. Timmy, <laughs> you said Timmy's extended. you went. Extended. I thought you were going to go ex. You paused. <laughs> I think it was like ex-girlfriend. <laughs> ex-girlfriend hello, from Buffy. when uh, <laughs> he was at school. <laughs> <laughs> right,
1: right. And and Kirk. And was, Kirk, what's Kirk? Yeah. And Kirk was spotted, yep. and someone gave him a wave, and and he, he waved back and said hello while well, he was coming out the gym and on the way to getting his groceries. Both looked adorably well and um, enjoying the good. Aussie summer. What a summer we are having, Hayden. It's pretty good yeah. down here at the moment, isn't it?
2: Well, technically we've hit autumn, or as our American uh, friends and family say, uh, fall. Uh, but, uh, yes, it, ha- it has been quite warm going into our autumn or fall period, but uh, we are lucky uh, in Australia overall. Like, I had a text from a patron earlier this morning, good friend of the of the show, Scotty Burgess, and uh, a lifelong friend of mine from school days. He was saying in LA it's had two months of really crappy weather, so... Uh, crappy weather for LA is still probably good weather for the rest of England, isn't it?
1: Yes, agree <laughs> so on yeah. that one. Yes. I've, I've had an
2: interesting in excess week, P. I know you're about to ask me. Is that right?
1: No, I'm going tell <laughs> Yeah, go <come>
2: on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've I've sort of done this is episode 143, but I've sort of as you know gone ahead and done episode 144 without you. It's the And for the sake of transparency and for announcement for next week, I had a chance this week, I know you were working at the time, so you were very kind of permitting me to go ahead and interview Michael Browning, who was uh, uh, the very first, uh, I guess, sort of manager, deluxe uh, label head, who uh, really signed up in excess. And uh, I had a bit of a deep dive with him yesterday, and that'll be coming out next week. But uh, fascinating uh, chit-chat. I know you've had a, a little bit of a brief chance to check the audio out, but-
1: yeah, I'd like to say hello to Michael. It was a bit of a Michael thing, wasn't it? I heard you say in the audio.
2: <laughs> well, that's right. We've got Michael Browning, we've got Michael Hutchins, we've got Michael Gidinski, uh, and Michael Chud, a couple other tour promoters at the yeah. time. So, so it's like you're involved with music in the 60s and 70s in Australia. Your name was Michael. So <laughs> there you go. But, yeah, that'll be coming out next week and uh, there'll be a little bit to sort of talk a bit about later in the episode about that. Yeah, it was great to sort of chat with him and uh, all part of our our deep dive into the band's history, B.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because I think it actually goes a bit further back than in excess, doesn't it? So it takes us to a time and place like the 60s, 70s. I can't uh, wait to uh, start editing it and uh, get it out there for everybody. You
2: remember in our very first couple of months when we were doing this podcast, we did uh, an ACD Uh, Sorry, an ACDC versus In Excess episode.
1: Yeah, that's right. Do you remember?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well- Michael, you know, for those who don't know, was the founding sort of, I guess, agent and manager for ACDC. Yeah. And then obviously founded sort of in excess and then uh, equally he uh, then took on Noise Works, And I had a bit of a theme with the episode B where I was sort of taking from ACDC to in Excess to Works and wrapping it around in the notion of family. And it was funny, about 15, 20 minutes in, I said, sorry, Michael, I might feel like I'm doing an ACDC podcast <laughs> to you. But uh, there is method behind it, but uh, he was a good sport and uh, very, very uh, open and can't wait to get it out for everybody. But today, we are going to be going into a little bit more about Elegantly waste and sort of wrapping up what will be a a five-episode sort of stint uh, with that album be. I guess coming off last week's episode with Mike uh, Plotnikov, we were really excited just about putting those two episodes together, weren't we?
1: Yes, I really enjoyed listening to Mike. It was really good. Yeah, I was just thinking then, did you tell Mike Browning about um, Crossbone Scully? Because I bet he would like to listen to that song. That was a good crossover, actually.
2: Yeah, I haven't haven't gone through that with him, but uh, look, I think going back to to Mike himself, and that is uh, another Michael, isn't it? Mike Popnikoff? I know. Yeah. Everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just great to sort of tie up that interview, and, and the photos he got through to you, that you were able to use as our promo for the episode, uh, were fantastic. There. Um, do you want to mention who the other guys on that cover on episode one forty two were? But, because obviously there's Michael standing there, I think with Mike Mike Plomikoff, but I think there's Bruce on there and another guy. Is that right? Um, on that photo that got censored? At
1: the uh, the restaurant. So you've got um, Andrew Farris and Michael yep. in, in the front there. Yeah. And then you've got um, Bruce Fairbairn. And then, I don't know who the person is in the middle. I'm guessing that must be the restaurateur. <laughs> and then you've got um, yeah. the, the gorgeous Mr. Um, Plotnikov.
2: Yeah. If you're listening to us out of order or out of sequence and you haven't heard those episodes, this episode on really will make a, a bit more sense if you go back and listen to the mic ones. Looking forward to today just wrapping up uh, this album and we're going to be getting into reviews and, and reviewing the reviewers a bit today. Please. So uh, looking forward to doing something a bit different, something we really haven't done before.
1: Cool, let's get on with it.
2: Hey, this is Tim Farris. Big shout out to Hayden and B. Also, want to say hello to all the listeners and
0: NXS fans. Thanks for listening. I love you, Hayden and B. You're doing a great job. Keep it up.
1: And now it's time for the
2: topic of the week. Well, B, we're going to be wrapping up. Well, our five-episode run with any wasted, and I thought we'd do something a little bit different. We haven't done this before with any real album, but we thought we would go through and review the reviews. Now, some of these are dated right back at the time of the album being released, and there's a couple of them that have been, um, I guess, uh, reviewed in recent times. Uh, But there's a few little sort of discussion pieces that are quite interesting here where uh, I guess when you look at album reviewers... There's two types of people. There's the critic who will review the band fairly or any artist fairly, and they'll review the song and the instrumentation and the lyrics, and they'll really actually review the album, which is what you would think the task is. Then there's the reviewers who basically ignore the album but attack the person, the band, the image, the personality, the theatrics around it, and the album's almost a bit of an afterthought. They'll sort of just have a go at the optics and things, and sometimes, unfortunately for a band, when they do bring an album out, they can have good press around them at the time or good momentum and goodwill. And then sometimes they can have bad press around them or things that are outside the bad narrative and things like that as well. A good example or a parallel recently is I saw a great interview with Quentin Tarantino. When he has a movie coming out, he's always been very, very good at getting out there and, you know, discussions and promoting the uh, the movie to audiences. He loves doing sort of open sort of theatre runs where people come to the theatre and he can get up and talk about the movie. He's a real auteur uh, about his, his passion. But sometimes the the movie companies get scared if if Quentin gets into a bit of an argy bargy with a uh, a critic, and has uh, some bad press that goes around uh, the week leading up to the the movie being released because it can all affect the box office. Uh-huh. And sometimes you know bad publicity can really affect the commerciality of a release. And I think when we look at the Incessantly Wasted sort of release. Let's just take ourselves back to 1997, where they were at. This is about a year or two after Michael and Paula had really come out as a couple. They'd had a child together. They were dealing with the aftermath of you know Bob uh, Bob Geldof and the the divorce. The band, I guess, had had a four year hiatus. Despite what we felt about Welcome at Full Moon Dirty Hearts, uh, particularly Full Moon, it wasn't the commercial juggernaut that they wanted. And when you come back after four years there's a feeling that will this be something where the public pining and uh, salivating for a new release? Uh, Have they uh, been away too long uh, from the cultural zeitgeist? And have some of those uh, younger fans grown into other musical tastes and interests? And combine that with all the rhetoric and all the issues regarding Paula and Bob and, and Michael, there were reviewers at the time that often reviewed the album on that optic as opposed to the songs. So, I thought what we'd do today, i I've emailed to you and I've <laughs> showed you, I've cut down a Brazilian rainforest tree in front of me here, as you know. And, and I've got a list of about 15, 16 reviews here. Some are quite brief, some are quite sort of elaborate. But I thought we'd just read a few out to our listeners and sort of just review the reviewers. Now, let's get this off the record to start with. We're, we're biased, we're fans, et cetera, there, but we're also pretty honest. I like to think In Access All Areas hasn't. Uh, Sugar coated every album. If we haven't liked a song or we haven't thought a song it meshes up our individual taste, we call it out. Is that a is that a fair self diagnosis?
1: I think we have been just like that, Hayden. Yes, maybe at the very first when I loved well, everything. that's what I was
2: having to get to. <laughs> think back to the start when I had to get you to have an opinion about something you didn't like. That was like mm-hmm. pulling teeth out of it. It was hard. Uh, out of a hen's teeth. And now yeah. you can't stop me. Nah, now, now that the veritable critic uh, <laughs> everywhere, but. Uh, Anyway, we'll start off with a couple of publications. Now, look, Entertainment Weekly aren't exactly rolling stone. Can I just
1: put in before you start that?
2: Sure, sure, sure. sure, Just
1: pointing out that, you know, some of it is done on the merits of what was in the the media at the time and the fact that um, In Excess hadn't been around for the four years. Britpop had been and gone. You know, we were waiting for the next thing and are these guys going to be able to extend their longevity of yeah. being yeah. Um, their superstardom? But yeah. I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm just thinking about this personally. I read these um, reviews, some of these reviews before the album came out. I read them, but I still go, I'm still going to make my own yes. bloody mind up about it, and I yeah. loved it. So, I mean, how did yeah. you feel when you read these?
2: Well, I mean, again, I would have bought the album anyway because I'm a yeah. fan and I know how to, I, I do my own review. That's but right. Think back to it. You know, uh, there are a lot of people these days. Cool. We, we've never <laughs> been in a, well, we've never been in a more review culture. I mean, how many people go online and check out a restaurant and go, oh, only had three out of five reviews. and not going. Yeah. Well, the person the person who went may have hated buttered chicken at that Indian restaurant and uh, were allergic to saffron rice and hence they gave a bad review. Well, it doesn't mean the restaurant's bad. Mm. Nowadays in a very sort of reviewing culture but, Look, we'll go back in time. We'll go back to some of these reviews at the time, and uh, and look, there's some really good reviews here, and there's some 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 bad reviews, and there's some, just some nasty reviews in terms of assessing the band, not their output, but more the issues around the band at the
0: time. We have found, we are thrown together. Take my hand. Take my hand. Let's
2: go. We'll start off with something a little bit fluffy and light. Okay, Entertainment Weekly, B, that famous juggernaut magazine at the time, they said finally a reason to cheer. The 80s revival in excess latest recalls the kick of their pre-alternative rock prime. The esque vocal yowl of Michael Hutchins matched to the spiky James Brown funk of the Farris Brothers. Gives their new melodies swing and tone. The band indulges in more ballads than usual, not to mention some forced world beat twists. But the end result should still give early fans what they need. Ranking A.
1: What do they mean, forced? That doesn't sound right. That's a bit negative.
2: Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. but I think it's pretty positive. given it an A-grading. So, yeah,
1: well uh, done. You know, nice I think, and punchy. I think it's a get yeah, we like that.
2: Punchy straight bunchy straight to the point. Okay. Yeah. GQ magazine, B are you a reader of GQ?
1: Oh, I've got most of them upstairs. I've got all my <laughs> old GQ upstairs. Well, wow, James is new
2: they're good dentist uh, you know coffee table type sort of magazines aren't they but um, all right this is interesting this is an awkward time for the members of in excess they're a few years past their peak and a few years too early for a comeback but damned if this album isn't vibrant exciting and completely unself-conscious about its post new wave pre-alternative values the band's one concession to 1997 is to cut back on the keyboards but rather than than pump up the, to com- uh, the guitars to compensate, it has left open space, a smart move. The 80s revival starts here, and that's by Bill Flanagan from, G- Ooh, Q- like from him. G- GQ Magazine. Yes. Hello, Bill. Well done, Bill.
1: Yeah, well done, Bill. All right.
2: So interesting, essentially. Now, again, one of the little sort of patches is there, is that, as I said, you know, that, too early for a comeback, but a few is past their peak. Well, when they say peak, probably they're talking about the kick-ex era and things yeah. like that. What's interesting around 94, 95, and 96 is you had the Soundgards, the Pearl Jams, the Smashing Pumpkins, Oasis, you know, Blue, Mm. um, Pulp, these sort of bands. So there's quite a lot of music had gone on in that four-year gap, so worth Mm -hmm. noting that.
1: Yes. All right.
2: uh, Next publication, number three, Mr. Showbiz. Uh, Where are the Playboys of yesteryear? Okay. A little bit of a little bit exploitative. Mm-hmm. Those 80s bands who, favouring sexiness uh, and style over substance, were once hot commodities, but how to find themselves prospecting now for an adult audience? On their 10th studio uh, album, in excess, Australian pop rockers do their damnedest to pull off the near-impossible score hit singles and establish themselves as a sophisticated unit with something still vital to express. Well, one out of two ain't bad. Ah. Both are no. Both the Stones' title track and Don't Lose Your Head are a fine example of the band's signature Aussie pop-funk sound and either one could easily tear up the airwaves. Elsewhere on the album, Michael Hutchins and company attempt to dig deeper on searching and they even play around with sitars and tribal influences on the lovely We Are Thrown Together. But these guys have never quite figured out how to structure a song of any complexity.
0: And while they are true...
2: <laughs> And while they are true masters of the song book, it becomes difficult, especially these days, to believe that many of their songs mean much of anything to them. Ele- Elegantly Wasted is a decent album, but indices have yet to express a reason to be heard, only a desire, 65 out of 100. Oh.
1: They, they took a big nose dive at the end there, didn't they? Mm. He woke up well, in the morning <laughs> and he saw that, that, a picture of Michael and he was like a little bit pissed off because Michael is like so much more sexier than the writer. The I'm joking.
2: <laughs> well, we don't know. We don't know. But uh, that's six one. out of the hundred. Six, yeah. six half out of ten. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, it get. It, it get. It, it move get that one. Oh god. It might get worse here. B. Okay. Here we go. Watching the uh, lesser bands eclipse Inexcess on the charts and even say mean things about them, Inexcess is faced. That was probably Oasis. Inexcess is faced with the problem of longevity. How do you convince a cruel business that you aren't last decade's model when your biggest hit was pre-Nirvana? Well, you could try throwing a large dollop of the Stones into the mix, and you could even try coming up with a bunch of catchy songs, cleverly arranged and generously laden with ideas. Then you could hope someone with power will notice. Even if you aren't the next big thing, as in the '80s, they have lots of talent and not lots of meaning. Okay, they have plenty of forks and little resonance with anything bigger in society, unless you think sex is enough. Maybe it is, or maybe they need a touch of you too.
1: They didn't listen well, to the album, did they? That that
2: well, that's meaning. a bit personal. So again, yeah, yeah. so that's I, not I, don't, right. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think "Elegantly Wasted" is dripped in sex, is it? No. <laughs> um, it's 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 dripped in longing and, and alienation and and uh, you know relationships and yeah and, and, what's and that fear thing?
1: And, yeah what was that bit about yeah. your biggest um, no 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 the but the power then you could hope someone with power will notice what the heck is that I know, all about I know. oh
2: awesome. well again yeah. it's a bit about it's to be a little low blow okay here we go Won't. Sunday okay. mail at Adelaide. This is album number ten for the lads, and the experienced writing skills of Hutchins and Farris shine. Pardon the pun. <laughs> Tight, well-produced, with exciting flashes of classic in excess, it cements to their reputation as one of Australia's finest. By Michael Owen.
1: Thank you, Michael Short Owen.
2: Short and sharp. Yeah. Thank you, Michael Owen. Number yeah. number six, uh, Friday morning quarterback FMQB magazine premiere pick. 17 years at the time and 20 million units after their live debut in Sydney, Australia, that is, InXS did some soul searching. We used to do a record every year and every year and a half, the band's uh made songwriter Andrew Faris Reflects. Prior to making this record, we found it difficult to place ourselves. We had to ask, who is in Excess? Because in the past we've been too busy being in Excess to know. One of the introspections that came out of the decision to record the album's demo tracks on studio equipment, that way you catch a bit of magic, Andrew Faris adds. As a result, 60-80% of the album's final tracks come from first takes. Uh, did we mention the demos uh, are quite uh, listed on this album? Uh, elegantly wasted the title track to their 10th studio album, smacks of the hip-shaking cool funk and mm-hmm. cocky swagger, in excess flaunted in such seminal songs as What You Need a Devil Inside. Yeah. The album due out next month draws on many aspects of the sound we created, Barris continues. Summer could be 12, 13 years ago. With a new label of management, one of the strongest new songs in today's dance-friendly musical uh, cycle, could uh, there be a better time for an excess comeback? They question. Nice. So positive. Positive. Okay. All right. Number seven, Los Angeles Times. Blended in its trademark stonesy, rocky rock rock with funky dance pop, in excess almost wins your heart all over again. No kidding. With this totally imperfect yet rousing album. There's nothing wildly experimental about it, but Michael Hutchins' jaggerish grunts and groans are very sexy and the band's overt passions uh boys' even its weaker songs. But since In Excess, which plays the main theatre on April 24th, hasn't morphed into Electric Vixens rru too? does anyone really care?
1: Mm-hmm. I like that right.
2: I don't. <laughs> you don't. Why? I don't. They put, no, they, well here's the last bit. Since they haven't walked into Electro Vixen's arlay you two, does anyone really care anymore? Oh well, you know,
1: well no, I don't that's what they're that saying. they you, no, but but you they, could take that two yeah. ways.
2: Well, the first half—it's sort of one of those things where he's he's praising them, but then he's sort of relating to U two, and that was always the the comparison of uh, the band. Yeah, uh, but why should era. they
1: morph into the same genre or uh, of that electro music? U two were the critical YouTube?
2: darlings of the time, and U two had, had the acton baby in the uh, Zeropid period, and they were trying to compare them as baby not being as creative. Okay, as I think That's you could read that
1: on. two ways if you're in if you're in you a two fan. Then maybe you read it one way and if you're not, then you can read it another way.
2: Now B, are you sitting down? Oh
1: no. <laughs> they to
2: have a joke. T- <laughs> okay. All right. People magazine. Okay, People Magazine, that great uh, oh, musical well. encyclopedia. Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. Very, it's mm-hmm. not it's it's not that this is a bad disc. It's just unnecessary. Oh in excessive NSs has been around for about 20 years now, and the Australian band certainly hasn't lost a step after nine studio albums. The problem is, they haven't picked up the pace much either. During the late 80s, INXS perfected a hybrid dance and mainstream rock that may not have been particularly innovative, but was at least a fair amount of fun. Elegantly Wasted has plenty of tunes that would have sounded right a decade ago, like the title track and Don't Lose Your Head, both of which feature a fluffball blend of keyboards and guitar. Yet if you've heard this music before, which plenty of people have, there's not much reason to listen to it again. Well, fuck you. Um, anyway,
1: fluff ball. I know,
2: I'll I give them know. a again. big fluff ball. Yeah. No which name
1: I, on that one. Right. Can I not look him up and tell no, him what I think of no, it? Yeah. <laughs> no, well,
2: we, we we I've got a I've got a uh, I've got a bounty hunter out of the for it already. Okay. We're about we're about a day away from making the rest. Okay. All <laughs> oh, right. Number nine, Heard Magazine Australia.
1: Never heard of it.
2: Okay. There you go. Boom, boom, Okay. Largely exuding a Michael Jackson style aura around him over the last 12 months or so. Weird. In excess frontman Michael Hutchins has taken the brunt of media criticism over the group's seeming irrelevance in today's music arena. That's a fair point. Seeming is the key word. Their previous two albums, X and Walker, wherever you are, were not received particularly well. Well, they were, and they did pretty good, okay? Especially X. And the band of uh, unfairly received *A Tall poppy syndrome attack, even worse than that of silver chair. That's true. Elevatorly wasted as an album, thankfully, returns the excitement and vitality of kick, in my opinion, their shining moment alongside the Listen Like Thieves album. The album opens up with Show Me Cherry Baby, which was Hutchins' voice back in scintillating form, B. hoo
1: scintillating. like that word. The
2: musical backing of a band that's been together for over 17 years, showing the experience. From there, we get the title track, which is the track that commercial radio have taken the attack on, getting loads of airplay. And a great song it is. The rest of the first half of the album, the band sounds so they are, uh, again, finding the feet, a couple of years' absence from their studio showing just a bit. By track seven, though, the band really get into a groove and stay there until the end of the album. Interestingly, uh, influences start uh, to filter through, uh, particularly We Are thrown Together and Shake the Tree, which both show some cool Eastern influences. Nearing the end of the album and She Is Rising takes my attention more than the rest and my pick of the album. Interesting. Yeah. No. Uh, the other uh, really interesting track here is The closer of Shine, which sounds like something's a throwback to mid-'70s funk, which we said had a bit of a Roxy music sound. So... We're probably accurate there, B, which usually came from movies and shows such as Cleopatra and Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. Okay. What the heck? Uh, okay, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, that sort of funky sounds of those shows. Um right. Yes, in excess, back, in excess are back with a vengeance. Whether they'll be given a fair go and get the fans back again, only time will tell. Go ahead, waste yourself on this rating, 9 out of 10.
1: Nice. It's a bit of a long yes. one, wasn't it? He had it so was, many words was. to fill
2: out. I'll I'll keep it brief. We've got a couple of uh, uh, ones coming here from Belgium. Ooh, okay, great. Uh, okay, first one here is elegantly wastes the name of the new studio in excess album. The group goes further than uh, their sorry goes further with their already tried and successful formula of R and B pop, uh, chick disco rock and funk. They say their eleventh year work. It should be tenth. May not sound very revolutionary, but still contains a collection of fine songs. The first single and title track, you can whistle along uh, without any problems. Okay. But, with, but, <laughs> but with Don't Lose Your Head searching with the deep, undercooled Hutchins, I'm Just a Man with Magnificent Blazers and Girl on Fire, a lovely beat, the band has certainly a few bangs in petto. I don't know what that means, petto. With the well-known ingredients of funk and synthesizer rock in excess of a delivered extremely swinging and fresh album, they also deserve credit for the nice and beautiful artwork of the CD booklet. B, now, I think you would agree with that.
1: I do, and I say so one to whistle elegantly. Whistle.
2: <laughs> no, no. I'll say that line again for you, B. The first single and title track you can whistle along to without any problems.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay,
2: all right. Number eleven, another Belgium review. Okay, in excess, Back to successful formula. We tried three D. Uh, sorry, we tried three CDs, experimenting with new visions to deepen our sound and not go, not to fall into routine. On the new album, we do again what we do best, exciting, powerful rock songs. Just like on our most successful album, Keep this is the promo tour led by the Australian band. NXS tries to sell the new uh, CD, elegantly wasted. We have to be honest for once, it isn't some bullshit. Okay, that's pretty cool. Uh, NXS returns to the successful it when it became the super band. Gone are surged song constructions, uh, the blinks to the world music and orchestral arrangements from their last two albums, Welcome and Full Moon. Of course, not because they are they, they, their type of experiment, but primarily those records sold less than expected. On elegantly wasted Micah Hutchinson Code do again show what their masters of in, writing rock songs with a head, a tail, and funky guitars, good hooks for the festival public, begging refrains. A ballad on its time is of course possible. In the meanwhile, that they, they prove it's still possible to in the nineties to create swingable da- a dance a dance swingable danceable CD Without jumping on the jungle or techno train. excess makes your legs tremble, B. Yes. With grooves that, that also shook the music of James Brown, the Stones, and Phil Spector. The last five years have seen excess pass by fellow superstars like Ari and U2. However, thanks to Eagle Allen Wasted, these Aussies could finally count again. Eight out of 10. Yes. Yes.
1: Pretty good. I don't know about that whistling bit, but yeah, they were pretty good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, we're moving along to the next one. Uh, this one's from an article publication called The Top. Okay. And I do like this one because it does link to the next one. <laughs> okay, four years have passed since the Aussies led by Michael Hutchins and the Farris Brothers, Andrew, John, and Tim, have released new material. In 1993, with the release of Full Moon, Dirty Hearts, Inexus found that their pop rock sound was out of step with the grunge and hard rocking uh, from bands like Nevada, Pearl Jam, and Soundgarden. The grunge era didn't leave much room for this band, which has looked like being on automatic to make for most of the 90s. We disagree. Uh-huh. A few hints with the excess trademark were sufficient to keep them going after the mixed success of album Kick. However, with Allegedly Wasted, it is clear that the band is returning to the late 80s glory days. The form is the same, melodies and crisp guitars around in Hutchins' sexy voice. After a 17-year career, excess hasn't considered changing its approach. The new electronic music movement appears to have only influenced Michael's solo work, i.e. he formed an electronic group in London, and then there's nothing to indicate that any excess sound will conform, conform with current musical trends. Okay. Yes and no. I mean, it, it, to me, that, that we could follow up on that another time. Uh-huh. Anyway, there's a cool little thing added to this review I like. He says, last and definitely least... Regional reviews from once-respected Rolling Stone. In recent years, the magazine has gone from being hip and at the forefront of music to simply becoming a corporate entity with no direction and even dimmer future. Their negative review of the new NXS album makes me want to listen to the new album even more. Yeah. What Rolling Stone invariably dislikes usually ends up being quite good. <laughs> so this is a guy. This is a guy who's reviewing Rolling Stone at the end of his interview, and I like it. Okay. And then it rolls into
0: Rolling
1: Stone. Rolling Stone. Okay. Rolling Stone. okay. Nice.
2: So let me give you a Rolling Stone Australia's Oh, review. Here we okay.
1: go. All right, here everybody, sit down.
2: Okay. So just picture this there's probably some bespectacled guy sitting in a, a workstation who's not getting any, any, <laughs> okay? Uh, who's, you can delete that word out, uh, who's probably, as I said, uh, jealous of Michael. But anyway, he comes up with this line Consider in excess a band who quickly went into, a, into its career, existed mainly for profit and to fulfill the biggest band in the world, greed equation and who ostensibly did all they set out to do. What could they possibly have left to say? Is it possible for the sex tent to create for themselves new challenges? Elegantly waste the tent in excess recording commits the worst crime of all. It is intolerably uh, boring. Also, laughably, inane, emotionally threadbare, and smugly self-satisfied. For some artists, music of life actually has a resonance beyond girl chasing, primitive chest beating, and reveling in the pleasures and vanities of the good life. Twenty years on, NXS have yet to realise this. One point five out of ten. Sorry, one point five out of five.
1: Whoa! Really? That was really. Pers- oh. That was yeah. l- really low. Who who do, yeah, who yeah. wrote that? Can we look? Can would have to, that back up? to
2: I'd have to go back and find. I'd have to go back and find out. Yeah. I
1: might even have that. We we don't like you, Miss Gray. Because
2: what's interesting here, they haven't listed one song. He's taken the no. lyrics out of a song. And, and me wasted would get wasted. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and he's and he's like uh, uh, beyond a girl chasing or whatever, probably think Girl on Fire. But if that's his takeaway from the songs that Michael, the lyrics Michael gave, well, again, it's probably somebody who, re- somebody probably read the songs on the back of the lyric sheet and then reviewed it without listening. So, yeah. Anyway, German Rolling Stone. Okay, here we go. Sometimes in 1987 we went to a rock disco and in every other rock disco we listened to Need You Tonight or any other hit from any other In Excess album. It was some kind of dark age when somebody, sorry, when somehow everybody listened to In Excess even, and even the dumbest in school had found a band to smash into the faces of those Smiths fans. We never went to any rock disco again. Then we heard some music. Mike Hutchins was into something with Kylie Minogue. And we were wondering how much such an uncharismatic, hippie-ish human being could be so successful with women. And then there were rumours that he'd taken so many drugs. The music wasn't it wasn't better year after year. Stadium rock with dance beats in the eighties never ended for in excess. Elegantly wasted is yet another new invention, or in other words, the same old in excess stuff. Stadium rock with dance beats, hysterical hymns and sing along refrains. Something like you two uh, without God and without inspiration but yet cleverly produced, great words, great love songs, great guitars, okay? And mainstream is entrance into to rock and roll in excess of the sum of mainstream and don't have a care for the laughs. As songs, uh, as everything, just begs to be performed by other, another really big rock guy like Rod Stewart will have in mind when he works on his next ballad album. In Searching, Mark Hutchin performs The Soul Brother or just Mick Hucknell. This guy could do everything and everything goes wrong. As every time we we are confused by stylistic confusion or some kind of vacuum, and on this way, in are absolutely replaceable. But somehow you identify with them every time. A phenomenon, but the title. The title is really great. Two out of five. What the yeah. heck? So
1: what? So, so, so what? <laughs> <laughs> There's just so much to unravel in this. Come on, come on. We're yeah, going to exactly go back to this. The-
2: He's—it's he's at, at reveling—is the key key description. He's going off in tangents about Mick Arknell and Rod Stewart and oh my and, and and, and, he, and Michael Beyond Charismatic. Uh, yeah, so the dumbest in school um, had
1: found a band to smash into the faces of those Smiths fans. What? Does
2: yeah, got yeah. to do with
1: the price of cheese and the own well, charismatic hippieish <laughs> human <yes. laughs> that I know, really read that is the best. Description of Michael call yeah. I have ever ever heard uncharismatic. The best
2: or <laughs> oh, the best worst, you mean? The best worst. The best yeah. worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, again, you're not. I mean, I don't. I mean, uh, they're talking it, about one song or it's a and they're, they're playing. Well, yeah, it's they're really talking around in circulars, in almost generalities. It's just somebody who probably was. I'm a Cool Smiths fan, and then just came along quite popular, and they, you know. They were popular, and, and alternative people like to hate the popular and whatever. But yeah, you know, at one point, in excess was a bit more alternative. And, uh, and ironic, if you go onto this album wiki today, it says alternative rock album from the eighties, or from the nineties or whatever. So, so yeah, this just just sounds like a uh, you know some 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 uh, issues with this this reviewer needing some therapy and still not having received the therapy.
1: I would okay. never ever it, put Michael with the same with Rod Stewart and Nick Hooknor. Jeez, that's I know what I know, is I know. he I know. thinking
2: I think he's going on the soul crooning thing but uh, uh there's another reviewer another reviewer here who is quite uh, uh Uber present on a lot of reviews over the years. his name is uh, Stephen Thomas Erwine. in excess stumbled greatly in the early 90s since their slick professional fusion of disco and the stones was singularly out of place in the grunge era. On um, the heels of U2's discovery of irony in the dance floor and Oasis's popularisation of rock and roll hedonism, Inexcess seemed to be better suited to the late 90s, but elegantly Wasted, their first studio album in four years, proves that theory wrong. The band does uh, dabble in contemporary dance and elegantly Wasted, but it all comes out sounding like light funk and funk funk and roll kick, only without the energy and without the tunes. Throughout the elegantly Wasted, Inexcess goes through the motions, coming up with a record nearly as weak as Full Moon and Dirty Hearters. The really unfortunate thing is it sounds like they were trying this time around. Okay. There's a person – that's Stephen. There's a person who responded to that review going, uh, this is one of the most weirdest reviews I've stumbled across on all-music site, which is where Stephen writes, whatever. I really didn't understand, understand his review. And now, which I listened to to once again here in 2008, which is filled with energy, killer songs, a tight band performance and extremely well-produced, I'm not afraid, but in this final album, this in excess of his best. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so – Again, they're the reviews, but the one we're going to finish with in terms of just sort of the reviews was one that uh, we mentioned on our podcast about a year ago, and uh, it was on Discover Music, and I think it was uh, titled uh, by Tim Peacock, uh, Elegantly Wasted, In Excess, Unfairly Overlooked Album is Due Reappraisal. Very rare albums or movies get reappraised. Uh, I know the movie Heat got reappraised here in Melbourne in the Age newspaper uh, about 1996, when the reviewer gave it two out of five and then i think he watched it again two months later and gave it a five out of five <laughs> I didn't, he, he actually he actually said he "Goes, i didn't quite get it the first time I went to it he didn't quite understand it um and he was expecting seeing a cops and robbers movie which sort of it was a goodies and baddies but it was a lot deeper moving than that yeah. he, he re-watched it and re-reviewed it but not often reviewers re-revaluate their reviews now i don't know if tim has re-evaluated his early review but he's gone back and reviewed the album with a 25-year lens on it, which was at the time of uh, April last year. Okay. So we'll read Tim's uh, review out. Uh, Eclipsed by the unfortunate events that followed its release, Allingly Wasted is an album that speaks to t- InXS's tireless creativity. All right. The final album InXS's original lineup, 997 1997 Allingly Wasted, has never really been afforded its due. The long-awaited follow-up to 1993's Full Moon Dirty Hearts, the record was the enduring rocker's first for their new label, Polygram Mercury, and it would surely have signaled the start of a bold new chapter for the band were it not been overtaken by events. In fact, when it comes to reappraisals of Inexcesses excesses of Wider Au revoir, Alignly Waste is often overlooked, primarily because it arrived only months before the death of frontman Michael Hutchins, a tragic event that has unfortunately eclipsed the album's artistic merit ever since. Divorced from the times, however, it's a lot easier to appreciate Alienly Waste for what it actually is was at the time, a vibrant and purposeful return from a band who desperately needed to get off the treadmill after producing nine albums just 13 years and touring relentlessly around the world. In exclamations, we really want to get off the old carousel, Michael says. We really want to get off the old carousel for a while. I sold the uh, Australia's album in uh, magazine in March 97. We'd recorded, you know every 12, 18 months over the last five or six years. With the completion of Full Moon, we fulfilled our contract with the landing, but just seemed like a logical time to take a break. Despite this, the band remained busy in the interim. Hutchins hooked up with producer Gang of Four, uh, guitarist Anthony Gill, started working on his lone solo album during 95, while Andrew and Tim got involved, also as Hutchins added in the album Network interview, and Andrew and Gary Roth having kids. Nonetheless, after some necessary downtime, INSS were equipped in London to start rehearsing uh, for their Mercury debut during the spring of 96. They later moved to Canada and then to Spain, as we have explained recently with elegantly wasted producer Bruce Fairbairn, an in-demand studio guru whose CV included Bon Jovi, Erasmith, ACDC, Poison, and Scorpions. Fairbairn proved a good fit for in excess as both parties were keen to make a record that captured the natural energy of the band. Okay, the horizons are once again widening. The band wanted to record, wanted a record that was commercial success, Fairbairn said, on sound and sound, but they also wanted to, have to do uh, so with energy and a performance, concentrating on the material. It also helped that Michael had a great voice. He could make uh, a little clip on his mic uh, jacket sound like a million dollars. Good compliment. To their credit, excess also kept the ear to the ground when it came to adapting changing trends in a post Britpop world. As Hutchins told the Album Network, a lot of our contemporaries like you 2 The Cure, Massive Attack, seem to be cross-pollinating uh, genes of music. This is de- definitely a good time to be uh, recording music as the horizons are once again widening. In excess, Julie relished, introducing some new flavours on Allegedly Wasted, discreetly embroidering she's rising in the sulphur searching with loops and electronica and soaking sparse building bridges in a filmic atmosphere redolent of Porter's Head's dummy. Up-tempo numbers such as Girl and Fire and the compelling Everything, however, revealed that Hutchinson Company still led the pack when it came to penning rousing radio-friendly rockers, while well, Don't Lose Your Head and the sinewy kick title ex, uh, title track reassured that uh, those who were worried about the band might have jettisoned their inherent fogginess in their desires to update their sound. Released on the 4th of April 1997, Ally Lee West emerged as a stylish, confident return that respected in excess heritage, which, which also saw the Australian stalwarts looking to the future. It went on to perform strongly in the charts, returning the band to the top 20 in numerous territories and landing just outside the top 40 in the American Billboard charts. Through no fault of its own, the album now stands as the original uh, lineup's epitaph, but it has barely aged today. Despite the trading events which unfolded after its release, we're doing it a grave disservice if we continue to overlook its achievements.
1: Great. I go. love that. I love that. And it doesn't yeah. age, does it? It hasn't aged.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I'm going to use a, a a scenario. Do You you probably remember as a kid of the 70s and 80s like me, remember the Osmonds? Yes. Remember Donnie Marie Osmond? Donnie and and Marie, a lot of our Mar- yeah. Osmond. And Jimmy. Yeah. yeah. You um, remind me of Jimmy, that, actually. I don't remember who Jimmy was, right? Jimmy was the little one. He, I don't remember. All I remember is this. In the late 80s, Donnie Osmond released uh, a song in England and got it played on the radio stations, but he somehow was able to hold his name back from the release. And the song went top ten and got suddenly did all this airplay and people wanted to hear it, but it was only after it started to chart I think or people started to question who was it, who was was it, they found out it was Donny Osmond. But why he did that as a marketing strategy, because he didn't want to be tainted with the Donny of the 70s moniker yeah. and feel. You know? He wanted to be seen in a different way. And, and, and various musicians have, have had sort of career renaissances in certain ways. But uh, In Australia, Australia, our most famous sort of singer, individual solo singer, would be John Farnham. He was also known as Johnny Farnham in the 60s and the 70s, maybe up to the mid-80s. But he came back to John Farnham in the sort of the mid to late 80s and had a phenomenal career. Yeah. Um, and a more grown-up, mature sound. And, you know, remember that album from uh, George Michael, Listen Without Prejudice? Yes. Uh, it came out after The uh, Faith. Yes. It's an interesting line for an album. I think he was saying to the greater people in the world, don't judge me, the person, judge yeah. the music for what it is. Yeah. And yeah. that it's really hard when you're an established band to keep upping yourself and keep one-upping yourself. The thing about this last review that's quite refreshing is that there was a lot of noise around Michael before the album came out, whilst the album came out, and obviously after he passed. So the album never really was able to catch fire because I think of, of those things around. What I like to think and what I'm always a fan of within Excess is always, first and foremost, the songs. To me, it's it's always the songs and the depth of the catalogue. All the other stuff and the imagery around things, to me, is peripheral. Like, I know the girls love Michael and the sexiness and that stuff, and I respect that. But to me, I think most of all, the songs stack up. If Michael, you know... Look like uh me, hope, No. Okay. If, if if Michael. Well, it's not a goosebump. Makeup. Makeup done very well. Very well, the ladies. Hello, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Okay, <laughs> but it, it, if Michael didn't look the way he looked, but let's say he looked a little bit grungier, a little bit sort of more, you know, uh, ugly for the one of a better word. Often the material. Sometimes uh, I've used the comparison with Brad Pitt a little bit. Brad sort of hung in there that long to get respect as an actor. He finally won Academy Award a couple of years ago. But I think an album should always be based on the songs first, et cetera there. And, and I'm first to say here that, you know, it's not every excess album or every excess song is always going to be perfect. And the songs that, you know, I don't like always, the songs I love and, and whatever. But I think the thing about the reviews looking at all these particular ones, it's just interesting. Those who attack the person or attack, you know, the image or attack the person's lifestyle or attack, what's going on around them and don't actually look at the music first as the core reviewing criteria. Yeah. I think aren't are doing a service to their job. You know?
1: And that definitely comes across in most of them that the negative ones it, yeah. it is it is a, a a lash out to the look. I've,
2: I've seen yeah. Mm. I've seen some reviews of many bands and albums and things like that where I'll give you an example. like You two, ironically, have just released um, Songs of Surrender, right? It's 40 songs. It's all reissues of their old works. And ironically, it's a bit like being Excess did with the original Sin Project in 2010-11. And it's actually at the moment in the UK is selling five times as many downloads or sales in the top five as everybody else. So it's going to be the 11th number one studio album in England. All right, good on and fair play to them. But it's really interesting reading the reviews because you're seeing People attack the album for why are you trying to make pride in the name of life better? Why are you trying to change one and streets have no name? Well, they're just going back, reinterpreting songs and playing around with them and, and sort of just exploring them in 2023 what they mean. And you know the, the great thing about life, and I, I, I say this to the reviewers and give them the benefit of the doubt. Everybody's allowed to have a review and be subjective about a review. But I think where I felt disappointed for in excess, you know, in their careers sometimes was that people. Michael was such a domineering frontman presence. Often it got in the way of people peeling the layers back and going, okay, let's examine Gary Beers' guitarist. Let's have a look at Andrew's keyboard flourishes. Let's really drill down on John's expertise. Because the one thing you and I have learned is it's not us saying it, but Mike Plontikoff and Richard Clapton and and, and Mark Opitz and all these people who are producers who know talent have all said that word. The band are really talented. Yeah. They're really great singers, songwriters, players. Uh-huh. But you don't sense sometimes when you look back at the NSS arsenal of reviews that that has always been acknowledged. They are fantastically talented players and the facts are that they could take these demos into a, you know, the studios, and I think Mike was a great example, having worked with Eris and all these other bands, going, well, these guys came in prepared. They came with lyrics. They came with demos. Yeah. They came in with really song structures. And when they're in the studio, they are able to really educate Bruce on stuff and, yeah. and Andrew's talent and, and, and John's drumming and Michael's lyrical talent was something that Mike in our last two episodes really, really was reflective of. All of them
1: were prepared.
2: Yeah, and, and, and the facts are that... um not too often now do we get uh, reviewers who actually are musicians themselves and understand the art of playing. You know, another interesting band that in excess are friends with is Toto and and Steely Dan and some of these bands. They're excellent players, but sometimes critically, you know, some of those bands have had high critical acclaim and really low critical acclaim, depending on who writes the article. But I like this last article because it at least gives perspective on the songs, you know. Uh-huh. And I think, I think even in going back to Tarantino, he often said, look, I don't need to agree with everybody. And I don't necessarily you know, uh, have to always uh, you know, uh, believe in everything you're saying, but if you have a valid point to make, I'm interested in the discussion. I'm actually interested in the point and having a discussion about it. But he used to get angry when people suddenly talked about uh, violence in movies and went to the cliches. And this is what happens sometimes in reviews. People go into what we call cliché mode. And they talk yeah. about cliches and they talk about Michael and yeah. this and that in the 80s and Mick Jagger. and That's I right. mean, it's all been said before. Just forget who the band is. Look at the songs, treat the songs, and, and if you don't like it or if you musically have an acumen who can criticise but come up with thought yeah. behind it, fair play to you. you know, Not everybody's going to like an album. Yeah. But I thought just today, uh, and I think for us and our community, this album really has lasted the steps of time. It has poignancy for the very reasons we've spoken. I mean, it was Michael's last words. I thought, again, it was just good to bring these reviews in and, and you know, look at them as a sort of uh, assessment of about... In some respects, you know, some are treated well, these reviews. Some are, you know, not quite so treated well. Some are measured. Some are completely random and irrelevant. But it's right. been a bit of fun doing it, B. We've never I, done I, this before. I loved
1: it. I love it. I'm just going to go away now and I'm going to be whistling elegantly wasted. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be peeing it, but I'll be whistling it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> Hey, this is Paul Jolly from Sydney, and this is The Big Rat. <coughs> well, thank you, Paul Jolly. What's the time for now, beef? It's time for the news. Hi,
1: this is Sarah from Sydney. You're listening to InXS Access All Areas, and now it's time for the news.
2: Go for it. All right. Well, we're going to bypass chart news. because There's not a lot of chart news again for a couple of weeks in a row, but uh, the couple of anniversaries this week that I'm sure our trusty newsletter picks up because they often pick these up before me. But uh, it is the 39th anniversary of the swing being released, which was sort of in this sort of mid to, you know, late March period of 1984, and I do remember that quite clearly. And we have been sort of living off original sin for three or four months here in Australia, and they just released the second single, Send a Message, about the time the swing got released. So, uh, right in my little wheelhouse of memory, and uh, 39 years, uh, which feels... Phil be thinking back to that. Oh, nothing. Oh, nothing. Also, too, it is 40 years that Shaboo Shabba uh, debuted in the Billboard Top 200, and its first week it came in at 190, ultimately uh, became some of the Top 40 album there and really set the foundations for their future touring and uh, their first Top 30 hit with The One Thing. And, um, again, yeah, uh, March 83 was when it uh, translated into uh, sales, I guess, and equally it was around that Us Festival time, too, which probably helped also. In further news, uh, John. Stevens, as I've been mentioning the last few weeks, has been touring around. Unfortunately, Roddy Stewart pulled out of his gig last week, B that we might have mentioned, but uh, had a sore throat, poor Rod. Yeah, so the, uh, a lot of people went down to Geelong, to Mount Dunedin, the big festival, and flew over from Tasmania, and about three hours before the gig, they got told that Roddy had a sore throat. But uh, John's been doing sideshows, and just and there's a good little review in the uh, Rock Pit Review, which is sort of an online publication, when John played in uh, Fremantle last week in Perth. Uh, he did, uh, obviously, a lot of his noise work stuff, uh, some in excess stuff, but he also pulled out a little Kings of Leon cover there, B. Oh,
0: which one? Uh, Sex
2: on Fire, okay, which the uh – Oh, the old, fantastic. The old lady sort of lined up there, Hello, Karen Peters. <laughs> From that point of view, I guess, uh, great side gig if you can get to those. Unfortunately, played in Melbourne last Friday night, the same night that Collingwood played Geelong of the footy, so I couldn't go. What a
1: dilemma. And what a dilemma, <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, also, too, just to, uh, I don't really talk about sort of websites regarding sales of excess in- merchandise much because I think the boys over at the Collectibles do that really well. I did see a little uh, post there where all the voices, the 10 set, uh, sorry, the 10 album box set was going for 300 pounds in the UK, Seem to be pricey to me. I think there must be some other places around, sort of retail wise, you can get that cheaper. But I might bow to the collectible guys and just encourage people to go over to their site and membership forum, which is both Pedro uh, and David Gaunt. But um,
1: shall we say it in search of in excess? In search of in
2: excess. Uh, So if you do want to find out where you can get good deals, go over to them. But um, I think it is available in a retail setup. Uh, One of these sites uh, called Grip Sweat, which is a retail site or a website. Uh, we're making out that, oh, this particular box set's got uh, allegedly wasted in it. Well, they all do. So I don't know why they were trying to sort of do a point of difference there. But anyway. Also, too, there's been a little poll this last week or two, Smooth FM, which uh, is a big sort of FM radio sort of chain, sort of radio sort of set up here in Australia. Did their top uh, one hundred and had uh, sexy songs in there, need you tonight at ninety five. Think a little bit lowly place B. What? Yeah, a little bit lowly place. Just a bit. Uh, um, very but-
1: belated about that one.
2: Correct. <laughs> pun the pun, but uh, um, but also too, we yeah. know in the last couple of weeks a little bit of sideline internal news. We know we've had our little B sides sent out to some people, but we just want to be a bit careful with our infringement, don't we? B and our copyrights and a few different things there. So, uh, for a lot of our patrons, we will contact you directly about the best way to get that out to you. B is anything else you want to add to that?
1: Correct, Hayden. Yeah. Um yes, we just want to get it right for everybody. So yeah, we're just holding back on on those and we'll let you know how we go with those very soon. Yeah. But you can still contact us.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And really do I feel a lot of news last couple of weeks a little bit shorter today, but that's the news wrap. Oh, uh, what? That's that it. was it. Yeah, only had eight <laughs> items today, not eighteen. So but yeah, look, we've been very punchy today. So uh there you go. Yeah. That's the news. And this is Manny from
1: the UK. This is Lisa Mack from Brisbane, Australia. And this is Felicia from Everett, Washington, USA. And that's a wrap. Well, that was a very tight episode, especially after last week. I think what, is it hit well over an, um, an hour and 20 minutes, I think, we we did. So congratulations to everybody for uh, keeping up with that one. Well,
2: I've got a, a bit of an idea next week, and uh, we've obviously got the Michael Browning interview in the can, so we will, for the interest of transparency, mention that. But I thought next week, because it goes for about an hour and 15, but it's probably a little bit tight to sort of mix into two episodes. But I thought what we could do next week is we could do our little intro, sort of blur and hello to everybody and a little bit of updates. But we'll go just straight into the interview next week and it might take up the majority of the podcast. So we might not have any news and everything next week because I think Michael's just got such a great Story to tell. I'd love to cram it into one episode and we'll uh, we'll leave us out of next week a little bit in terms of extra stuff, uh, fan engagement, a few things. We'll hear from Michael because it was such a pleasure chatting to him. Yeah. You.
1: Oh, that sounds like a nice, easy uh, episode for me to get out Correct. Fantastic. Correct. I love it. Hey, though, we should do more I know, of those. I know. Excellent. All right. So, okay. So next week, guys, we won't um, mention the patrons, but shall we mention the patrons right we now? We shall
2: now. Okay. Big shout out to our patrons, V. Over to you. I'd like
0: to say hello to everybody outside on the highway. Let's all say hello to everybody outside. It's about 10,000 people at least. Hello.
1: Well, a big up to our honorary members Tim Farris, Nick Egan, Marco Pitts, Richard Simpkins, Cameron Adams, Mary Woods, Darren Jones, Paul Jolie, our patrons, Carmen, Laurie, Carrie Ann, Danielle, Sarah Markham, Sarah Camia, Doctor Jim, Katie, Lisa Mack, Anne Marie, Susan P, Susan B, Foxy, Pedro, Mandy, Lisa, Yvonne, Amanda H, Amanda V, David, Tracy, Paul Buckley, Ella, Ryder, Tony, Erica, Abigail, Martin, Val, Jim, Matey, Kelly, Sean, Sheila, Shannon, Helen, Brett, Suzanne, Happy Birthday, Laurel, Bard, Genevieve, Shelby, Manny, Laurie, Jill, Yari, Laos, Heidi, Paula, Lisa, Urban, Angie, Nancy, Juliet, Scott, Anthea, Maria, Nicole, Tracy, Vernon, Jamie, Diana, Stefan, Andrew, Georgie, Stephen, Keisha, Mark, Vern, Shane, Lachlan, Mandy, Rachel, Nick, Sula, happy birthday, Amy, Diana, Paul, and our special mentions to Sue D, Joe Robbins, Johnny Vink, Michael Spriggs, Glenn Davis, Paul Boozy, and Jay Finlayson, and a massive happy birthday to the one and only, the absolute legend, Andrew Ferris. Happy birthday, darling. Guys, so there's no fun engagement in this week. I'm just gonna keep this nice and short. Maybe Danielle and I will come back next week and tell you more. Just a big heads up. We're going to launch a subscriptions page on our website it will make it easier for you to um, find and become a patron to the show. So we'll let you know when that's launched very, very soon. Also, you've got one week left for the raffle, so get onto the website. Check out fun engagement and uh, get your ticket. All right, well, good luck with that, everybody, and we'll be back with more next week. Over to you, Hayden.
2: All right, B. Well, we're going to have our tributes on today. A uh, little bit of a rare one there, but I think this is uh, on our recent deep dive connections. And because we've had five episodes now of Allegedly Wasted, I think we've uh, played uh, Allegedly Wasted itself and Show Me uh, for Mike. Uh, I think we had uh, everything, and we are thrown together. Or was it searching and we we're thrown yes. together
1: yes sorry no no you're right Was you're everything right, and right. we're thrown together yeah it was we yeah it was everything for
2: okay we haven't done searching no we haven't done okay. searching okay. but okay. you keep
0: going on about it okay. so you better put it in well i was <laughs> going to go out with
2: one that was a bit timely this particular week with the big paula documentary and a few different things there but this particular song uh building bridges we thought would be a unique one that some of the fans may have skipped over in the past and don't know much about it and we thought this would be a really cool one to go out with today because as we said a bit earlier, it got compared to one of Porter's Head songs dummy in terms of its sort of minimalistic type approach, but uh, it's a great lyric and a great build and uh, a little bit of a unique vocal here from Michael, and it's got the real whispers and tones and then the Big uh, launch, loud launch, and then it sort of quietens down oh. a bit. So, dun, 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 dun,
1: yeah. dun, dun, dun. yes, so, can't wait. All right, is it a goodbye from you? Well, just before I
2: say that, before I say that, on the
1: I it didn't play it in the American in the
2: American album release. This is the last song of Ally Lee Wasted, so maybe it makes oh, sense right. But this will be the last one as we wrap up the uh, Wasted. So, yes, it's a goodbye from me,
1: and it's a goodbye from B. Goodbye, everybody.
0: too much? Are you comfortable in your skin? When does the strip it gone. whispered touch feels like we should start again. When does the?
1: listening to in access, access all areas
2: with Hayden and B